Hey everybody, welcome back to Lip Stories. I'm your host, Christina Zias. I'm a body positive fashion blogger, TV style expert, and your host. Thank you so much to Sephora Collection for partnering with Girlboss to make this podcast possible. Season two of Lip Stories is intimate conversation between friends on all things beauty and how we can all feel confident in our own selves. We discuss everything from diversity to being a minority to how to be confident in your own skin and how that's inherently diverse and unique to each person. You know, confidence is a personal journey. And in this season, we're going to get into everyone's personal journey and share it with you all. In today's episode, I'm talking to Marwa Biltaji. She's a fashion blogger and the editor-in-chief of Mademoiselle Mimi. She has started a conversation about inclusive fashion and what it's like to be an Irish-Palestinian woman in this modern-day world. I love Marwa's take on inclusivity. I think that no matter what your race or ethnicity or religion is, you can learn something from Marwa, and I'm excited to dive into this conversation. Let's get into it. Back today with Marwa Beltaji. She is a style influencer and editor-in-chief of Mademoiselle Mimi. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. And I just found out that Marwa is living in Princeton, New Jersey, which is close to where I grew up. So, you know, I'm like all about that Jersey pride over here. (laughs) Super excited about that. Um, But you've kind of lived all over for the past couple of years. What's that been like bouncing around for you? I feel like I don't have any roots Mm -hmm. (laughs) because just shifting around so much, you have to just pack what you need and then hit the road. But it's been great because with, you know, websites and social media, it's allowed me to create Mademoiselle Mimi and take it on the go with me. And then I get different flavors from wherever I travel. And it also gives me a great perspective on the world as well, just traveling and living with the locals and learning about culture and just seeing things that are different than what you're used to. Yeah. Just like, I mean, I feel like I've always lived in a bubble until I started living abroad and traveling more. So yeah, you grew up in Orange fun. County, right? Yeah. Yeah. I love see. <laughs> yeah. I know. I, I mean, I think that travel influences yeah. so much and it's probably like the best form of education yes. too. So when did you start your blog and why? I started it in 2015 just for fun to keep in touch with family. I was living in Oxford while my husband was at school and it was just kind of like a creative outlet. I wanted to be a dentist, but then very different than a style blogger. (laughs) Exactly. But it wasn't creative at all or like I just couldn't imagine myself doing drilling teeth and the same thing every single day. So I was like, okay, let me just create this for fun. So I was posting travel and lifestyle and fashion, arts, like stuff that I wanted to feature on the website. And then it kind of blew up when New York Times featured me for my style, for my hijab fashion, like wearing my clothes with a headscarf. It was very new back then. This is like, yeah, 2015, 2016. And from there, like things just kind of picked up really quickly through to now where it's like such a hot, trendy kind of topic and uh, like niche in fashion. So, yeah, I mean, what was that moment like for you when like the New York Times called? I was so confused. I'm like, how did you find me? (laughs) But I mean, I was honored. And then I also realized like, okay, this is the start of something new. Like the fact that New York Times wants to ask me about myself as an Irish Palestinian American and how I use my style to express myself with a headscarf because before people would just treat it as like a religious symbol. They'd say, you can't be in fashion. You can't be fashionable if you have a headscarf because that's a symbol of something else. Mm -hmm. So New York Times kind of opening that door 
and making just, it yeah. more of like a fashion yeah. symbol as well. Yeah, and making it something that's not like this foreign image and can only be one thing. Right. I know you mentioned that you're Irish and Palestinian. I feel like that's such a cool combination. How did um, growing up with this diverse background, what was that like for you? I think, well, I'm first generation. So like in Orange County, most of us are orange, uh, first generation growing up. So I felt like kind of like an oddball because a lot of my friends weren't mixed like I was. So it was very hard to kind of find like friends or community because of that. You know, being mixed, people didn't really understand like, okay, she's Palestinian, but she's only half. To, she doesn't speak Arabic. She doesn't get the culture. And then on my Irish side, which is Irish Catholic, they also didn't understand like, okay, she's Muslim. Why is she wearing a scarf? And, you know, she's so tan compared to us. Like, so they don't really know where to place you. But for me, like, that is like a huge moment in just creating your identity where, you know, you either become very weak and insecure about your identity or you just take it and run <laughs> and that's kind of what I did and how I had to just create this new image and only like I feel like in the last two years maybe last year when diversity has started to trend uh, it became cool to be mixed and you know different ethnicities and stuff like that but before it's like I always felt kind of like the oddball but I mean well I was okay with that when people were trying to put these labels on you yeah I mean how did you kind of explain your culture and your religion to people my mom converted so she's muslim um but like you know our catholic side of the family had a hard time dealing with it just like with any big change in a family sure. that kind of shakes up your beliefs or you know you don't understand it mm -hmm. and i feel like especially post 9 11 i got a lot of that like confusion and change because that's when i wore my headscarf so it just so happened i wore it a few days before 9 11 and because i was starting a new school like going to middle school and i was like okay i'm ready and then 9 11 happened and that also i think was a huge like moment for growth in my identity because i had already been used to okay you're not white you're not arab like like these things about me but then it was like you're a muslim you're a terrorist you're this that and the other which is vocabulary, I think, that students, like when we were in school or family members that, you know, didn't like that I was, you know, half this or half that would use with us because we also now became this other type of image that was just as confusing for them. And, you know, people fear the unknown and, you know, when media is feeding them certain terminology or certain ideas about someone who is maybe a Muslim or has a headscarf. For sure. They're going to take what media is telling them and just vomit it onto you without any understanding um so i mean but that's like also one of those moments it's like you either you know get a thicker skin or you're not gonna make it and you're gonna just lose yourself so for me i was like okay <laughs> it came on like like it made me very tough and then if anything now i thrive in those situations of people being uncomfortable that's how sure I am of myself. <laughs> I think that's amazing. I feel like a lot of people want to have that sense of self and that security and like yeah. knowing who they are. So I think that's something that people can strive to. You said you started wearing your headscarf a few days before 9-11. Um, 9-11 happened. Did you feel like, first of all, were you nervous to continue wearing it? Did you want to take it off at any point? And how did you develop that sense of confidence and own your headscarf and your beauty and your fashion in your everyday life I never knew there was anything wrong with my headscarf until a kid at school you know it was like a few days after 9-11 a kid at school yells from across the campus 
terrorist. And directed, I looked around. Yeah, directed at you. To, to me, because I was the only girl with a headscarf growing up at all my schools. Um, but, like, I never felt any other way until that kid pointed out to me, which shows you also how in tune kids are to things that happen on the TV or what their parents might be saying, etc. And then I was like, I had to stop and think, like, what? You know, and where did he even get that word? Right. Like, where does a kid that's 11 years old learn this word? And it was still very new, like this, like, you know, weapons of mass destruction, all these like vocabularies that were put out on the news. And then everything that happened after that, like I heard those words after. I mean, I only had been wearing it a short amount of time, but, you know, I have family members that would wear their headscarf, too. And I had never heard of these type of terms being spewed. Um, so that was the first time I was like, oh. Okay, maybe people have a problem with this. I was totally unaware. Um, but did it make you feel insecure in those moments? I never you, felt unsafe like- or anything like that, or like insecure. Um, I think I was just still so young. Like I was getting into my teen years, and so you're just all just awkward and like no matter what, you know, you don't really think of this because we didn't have social media, nothing. So it was like much more innocent times, and I didn't have any comparison to other people. It was just whatever. But I mean, from that occurrence, I understood, okay, this is going to make people uncomfortable. Um, I mean, living in California, I feel like it's pretty liberal and people are very open-minded for the most part. I mean, so I haven't had experiences like when, let's say, I was living in Charlottesville for a year where I never felt safe. And we saw what happened on CNN after that. Mm -hmm. I can just leave it at that. But like for me, so I kind of, you know, built a tougher skin for myself. And then I think one of the times where I felt like, most beautiful or like that kind of happiness or contentness or you know felt like wow you know you give me hope in people was I was at Jones on third (laughs) here in Los Angeles with my best friend and we're just sitting having lunch and you know like it's a very hot place with like celebrities bloggers etc and this guy kept staring at us and looking over at us and I was like oh my gosh I think this is going to end in a confrontation because you can kind of tell what someone's energy they want to say something to you or there's something going on right. without even verbal communication totally it's the power I feel like I have energy so then towards the end he comes over to me and my friend and he's like hi I'm Gary Baseman I don't know if you know me I'm an artist I designed the cranium game I was the Whoa. illustrator for a teacher's pet on Nickelodeon like this guy has like a BAFTA, an Emmy, and he's like, I drew your pictures in like his signature style, which is like this caricature, um, like cartoon. He drew your pictures while you were sitting there? Yeah, that's why he had kept looking over at us. No and- way, because he was drawing you? Yeah, no, that's, that's why we were getting freaked out. Like, oh God, like, is he going to say something confrontational? Like, is he going to have an issue? And, you know, this happens like just on the regular. It's something we don't even think about. So I was like, okay, if he comes over to say anything to us, let's just like, tried to be open-minded right um and then yeah so he comes over with these two drawings I actually have it on my instagram still and it was me and my friend in our little headscarves with our outfits in no way and it was like so just it warmed my heart i swear and no one had ever done that and especially a guy like he's like you know i come here all the time and everybody like just looks the same but you guys came here and you look different you have your headscarves on and you inspired me you inspired me to create art while I was sitting here wow I'm like that's like one of the biggest compliments I think anyone could give you (laughs) especially someone who was like such a big famous artist and you know like that for me was 
like one of like those highlight or great moments that you always remember where it's like, okay, no, it's not everybody that feels this way about me as a Muslim woman in a headscarf. Like, and that shows you also that if we can inspire an artist, maybe we can inspire other people in other ways, other situations. Like you, you never know who's going to be around you or who you're going to bump into, who's watching your Instagram even. Like, so, I mean, I think that was like one of those positive experiences where I was like, wow. <laughs> he just made my day and he also made me feel like no actually you and your headscarf you're beautiful you look elegant like I'm so happy to see you like and we were just nobodies to him type thing but just that kindness and gesture that's even. so beautiful so sweet and I think that just goes to show you that I mean you're inspiring him but you're inspiring people every single day by just being you and yeah. doing what you're doing it's true yeah maybe like for our listeners you can give like a couple tips to have that strong sense of self because I think a lot of people struggle with that. Yeah, I think um, for myself, I think you just have to have confidence. I mean, everyone's going to try and chip away at you, but these are things that I cannot change, like being half Irish, being half Palestinian. You know, my religion, I'm not going to change it either. And so these are things people want to hate on me for, let's say, that I have no control over. So I think you have to be self-confident and I think when you're confident and then also content with yourself, happy with yourself, that will also come out and you'll feel better, like glowing from the inside out, basically. <laughs> like, you, Because if you're not that way, then no one else is going to be able to help you. Like, I think... Yeah, I think a lot of people struggle with identity, especially now politically and like not wanting to look a certain way or to look less Muslim or less Arab or, you know, like color their hair a certain way so they look, you know, one way or the other. So I agree with that. And I think especially with like social media, you know, everyone's driving, everyone's putting on their highlight reel and trying to put their best foot forward and show their best selves when they might not necessarily feel secure inside. So I think yeah. a lot of people you know, really need to work on that. And part of it is probably just acknowledging who you are, what mm -hmm. you stand for, and then just chipping away at it every single day yeah. and like being pr proud of who you are. And now I think it's a time better than any other time because for me, it's like, okay, for example, when 9-11 happened, it's like, if I don't own this identity, then I'm just going to dwindle away. And then the, you know, the media, the movies, the TV, everything that was coming out that was so anti-Muslim, anti-Arab, etc. You're already dealing with that. So you have to go up against that. And now politically, where it's like anti-immigrants, anti-Muslims with the Muslim ban, etc. Ban, excuse me. Um, you either step up to the challenge or you're going to lose this part of history where you can actually make a difference. And like fashion, for example. So like, I think if anything, this is the moment. Like if you're on social media and you're different. Stand like, up. Yeah. And like wear loud that, and proud. Own yeah. that. Yeah. Be authentic. Part of that is media and people coming on to podcasts and TV, etc., changing this narrative as well. Yeah, no, I think that's really important, too. Yeah. I love that you are showing a different side of fashion that a lot of people don't, you know, necessarily like see on every single day. I know your your niche is like because of your religion and your ethnicities, but also you talk a lot about modest fashion. Um, can you, for our listeners, can you tell them what modest fashion means to you? Yeah, I think for me, dressing modestly is a choice. Like I choose to cover up and not show my skin and 
I mean, that's also part of a religious perspective. But modest fashion is also not limited to just like a Muslim girl, which I feel like a lot of the focus in fashion has been the Muslim girl being like the face of modest fashion. When right. there's so many women that want to dress modestly or conservatively, like Vogue wrote an article in September about, you know, why women want to cover up. Is it because of the Me Too movement? Is it because now Muslim girls are more mainstream and we're seeing how they dress, etc.? They didn't give an answer to why, but they said that. But they're acknowledging yeah, it's happening. Yeah. Yeah. It's happening, exactly. And so, I mean, like Muslim girls just happen to be one part of it. And especially girls who are very visibly Muslim, like myself, who have the headscarf. I think they've been giving us a lot of attention as well because, you know, they can see that you're a modest dresser, you know, you're Muslim, you're practicing. Um, it's like just the freedom of choice to express myself as I want. Because that for me is like the ultimate happiness is having that freedom. Mm-hmm to express myself and where I want and not having someone tell me. And I mean, that's like the beauty of living in the U.S. is you have those freedoms and you can, how you present yourself to the world, like through dress says a lot about you. I mean, fashion is a big industry because, you know, it makes so many statements, whether it's politically, whether it's about the environment, etc. So modest fashion is just one way and one option for right. dressing. And did you always dress modestly? Was that something like growing up? Yeah, I mean, my mom is very conservative. She grew up in a convent school, so she's always been conservative Okay, yeah. <laughs> in general before she converted. Um, so, yeah, like it was just always very easy. Like that's kind of what I knew. Um, How has your mom affected or inspired your fashion? I think... Um, like, does she have certain brands that you saw her wearing or, cer- or certain outfits? I think she's always just been ultra feminine in her dressing, and she's taught me that as well. But she also taught me, like, how I present myself to the world is also a huge statement about who I am because that's the first impression people are getting. And one of the first impressions people are getting is also, okay, she has a headscarf. And what's the media telling you about a woman in a headscarf? I don't think beautiful or, you know... Uh, empowered is one of the first words that comes to people's maybe like in the last year or two when this conversation has really come up about inclusivity and diversity etc but before that I mean the vocabulary that's been provided and how women are framed in tv and movies etc has been in that way like very just helpless and almost pathetic and so for me it's important that when I go out and I'm dressed that I present myself in what I feel is particularly beautiful or presentable and that I feel in itself changes the narrative and the amount of people that message me saying oh my god I've never seen a Muslim look like you or dress like you or you know you look so like happy and like just like just the the oddest kind of messages but imagery is that powerful you know I mean absolutely it's interesting because I guess I've never really thought about it until our conversation today, but you wearing a headscarf that is a snakeskin print is a bolt, <laughs> and that's what she's wearing right now, and she looks super fabulous and, like, so chic. Thank you. Is a bold choice that you're making. And I guess that's kind of the difference is that maybe a lot of times before that, people assume, like, this, you were almost, like, Muslim women might have been forced to wear it. It's mm-hmm. not like a choice that they're making as well. Exactly. Like, I mean, until recently when I saw, like, the Rami show on Hulu, for example. Like, I oh, saw... I love that show. I know. It's like it showed, like, Muslims doing normal things, having normal problems. And that's why I was, you know, saying, like, 
in media representation, like TV and movies and stuff, has a huge role, like this mass culture and in, you know, telling people about minorities that they might not be exposed to or like select groups in society that you'll never probably meet. But if you see them in a movie, then you think, OK, oh, that's how they are. And you have these assumptions, which we all do. It's right. not just about like Muslim girls. You know, I don't lead with this like, OK, I'm a Muslim girl. I'm like, you know, I'm oppressed or like, but I'm changing the narrative. Like I just <laughs> go on my day like as a regular person. But I know that you are people changing who see me or are not exposed to me as a Muslim woman, like they might have some like notions in their head from things they've seen on the news or et cetera about how I am, how I'm supposed to be. And then maybe are even shocked by me because like I carry myself in a very confident way because I know that's an assumption. And for me, it's like part of my job to change all of that, change those, you know, assumptions. When you started your blog, did you ever have any idea that something that you were doing was changing people's assumptions of the way they think of Muslim women? No. Was that ever your intention? No. Because it seems like you're doing something greater than just sharing your cool style. Yeah. I mean, that's even why I didn't use my real name. Um, It's Mademoiselle Mimi, but Mimi is my nickname, and I never used my real name because I didn't want people to put this label like, oh, it's a Muslim girl. It's not for anybody else to read, Mm -hmm. you know, or it's just for a woman in a headscarf. Like super niche, like they're the only <laughs> ones that can enjoy this website. So that's why I just use like this fun nickname, and I never even showed myself until like maybe a year and a half later. But I only had showed myself because Vogue had featured me, just like by accident, and so that's so cool. Blew up even more, right? Um, and so people started figuring out who I was and like who Mimi was, um, but I never wanted that kind of like. Um, held against me, I guess, where it's like, Marwa, what's his foreign name and stuff. I mean, this is a few years ago, but that also shows you how much changes just in a few years in 2019. Like, this is 2015 when I started this. So, I mean, now it's like, if anything, having a, a an unusual name is cool. Like, you know, so people call me Marwa. They don't even like to call me Mimi. It's so interesting. I think this is a good time to take a quick moment to give you the 411 on Sephora collection, which helped bring this new season of Lip Stories to life. The other day, I was out with my friends and like good friends, and we were admiring each other and just, you know, hyping each other up like good friends do. And I noticed that one of my friends was wearing this beautiful shade of lipstick. It was this matte but bold and deep coral shade that I just couldn't get over. And when I asked my friend where it was from, I got a quick, girl, I got it from Sephora Collection after you kept mentioning the Lip Stories lipsticks on the podcast. I was like, yes, girl, hashtag influenced. So there you have it. I am still discovering new shades of lipsticks I love from Sephora Collection. By the way, the shade my friend was wearing is called First Class, and I'm planning on getting it this weekend. And if you're up for a little makeup haul... I'm sure you will find a shade from the Sephora Collection's Lip Stories line. There are dozens of shades available, and they include three finishes, matte, cream, and metallic. So you have plenty of options to choose from. Go ahead and check them out online at Sephora.com or stop by your local Sephora retailer. All right, now back to our conversation. Have you been in any campaigns that you're just kind of like, wow, it's such an honor to see that they're including Muslim women and you're so excited to be that representation. I've worked with like up and coming younger designers, which is like very important for me, especially like Middle Eastern designers, Mm -hmm. um, just because I want to show whoever's following me or people in fashion, I want them to see that Muslim women 
people from the Middle East can inspire the arts. They can create beautiful things like clothing. And that's why, like, during Fashion Week, I really try my hardest to wear a few Middle Eastern designers or female designers and really that represent Muslim, them, etc. Like, even in the simplest way, even if it's just a scarf or a jacket, you know, especially, after, like, after the Muslim ban, Fashion Week was, like, a few weeks later, and... I made sure that I was wearing female Muslim designers or Middle Eastern designers to kind of make a statement like, you know, there's there's more to us than what you just see on the news or in movies. Like we we can create and we can inspire as women or as artists ourselves. You have um, a beautiful winged eye right now. <laughs> when did you start wearing makeup? What was your first experience with makeup? I, th- I wore it around like... 13, which is like right when I'm about to go to high school. Um, my mom was super strict though. I was but... just I was like, <laughs> were your parents, was your mom strict with? Yeah, she was strict. But like the only makeup I even like really care to practice is like a wing, like, like you just mentioned, like a, a winged liner because I have like these Middle Eastern eyes, as they call them, yeah, like they're the be- almond shape. Beautiful eyes. And it's great for. Uh, a cat eye. I think I'm more into skincare because I'm coming up to 30. So all my friends are telling me you need to use like glycolic acid and hyaluronic acid. And they're like pushing me. So I've almost I'm like switching. Like I used to be more into like, you know, cat eyes and great pink blush and just super like basic for anyone that's listening that is no, like into beauty blocking. I don't I don't think that a lot of I think I even know. like a winged eye, yeah. a cat eye is hard for a lot of people. Yeah, well it's the only thing I can do if we're being honest. That's it's so funny. Thing. Do you have a tutorial somewhere people can watch? I should because yeah. I get so many questions about it. But you know what the key is? You what? do your bad eye first. So Wait, that's really funny because I always start with the good eye. No. And then the bad eye messes me up every single time. And then I have to like go back and try and fix both. Wait, why do you start with your bad eye? Because I can easily replicate it with my good eye because I'm right-handed. I'll start on the left. And that's the one I always screw up. So once I nail that, I do the right eye. I put like, you know, just a line. I don't even do the cat eye yet just to make sure that they're symmetrical. They're at the same angle, you know, like a 45. I, or I always mess up my my angles. One's a 45, one's a oh 90 like God. every time. Yeah, no, you have to try this then. Trust oh my me, goodness. it works. I tell my friend this. Marwa and, coming in hot with I the know. eyeliner Who tips. knew I would have a good tip? But yeah, <laughs> do the, the, the bad eye first and then it's so easy to replicate because the right, the, your other strong eye. It's easy. When you were growing up, I know you said that you didn't wear too much makeup, but did you have any favorite beauty trends? Oh, my God. Like, I know for me, I was obsessed with this one Urban Decay eye palette <laughs> that was, like, all these rainbow colors <laughs> to the point where, like, I literally had, like, green, blue, purple, gold all on You're at kidding. the same time. No. Like, oh all my of my high school and college <laughs> images, I'm like, oh, my gosh, Christina, you could someone going to tell you to lay off with the rainbow eyes? <laughs> I think, well, I wasn't, I was, I've never been into eyeshadow just because I usually just do the cat eye and that's it. I'm good. And I don't really know how to do eyeshadow that well. But I was always into the gloss. When the lip gloss was back. I know, I know. And I'm like, oh my God, it reminds me when I was a kid with the sparkles. And like, there's so many kinds now that are just like 10 times more elevated than what we had back in the day. But like Fenty Beauty's range of glosses are fabulous. What is your nighttime routine like? Do you have, like, a 10-step program, or are you more like a face wipe type of girl? Oh, no. You know, I feel like face wipes for me are very drying. Mm-hmm. And even my esthetician told me, like, actually, when you use a face wipe, you're supposed to rinse. 
You're not supposed to leave that on there, like leave whatever the product is. And it can be very drying. So I'm more into like, so I splurge on like the creams and moisturizers, serums, um, masks, and then my toner and my face wash is like pretty basic because that's what I had read. Like it's better to invest in like these creams. Yeah, exactly. So I know you're like more, uh, more of a like less is more kind of person. But if you were to get ready and you were going to go out and do like a full glam look, what would that look for you and who would you be channeling? I feel like because I'm such a cat eye girl, I think if I wanted to do full glam, I'd channel Amy Winehouse because she's like the ultimate with the cat eye. Um, and I th- yeah, I think, I mean, I would do, I think, a full cat eye because like eyeshadow for me, it's not really my thing, but like with the vamp lip. I love like an eggplant or like burgundy lip. I know it's not for like everybody, but I love it. Like there's something so just empowering. I, f- I feel like a femme fatale when I have like a dark lip on. So like I usually go for dark lips instead of like a pretty Barbie pink. I don't know if it's just like my personality, but it's just like my like my style preference. Well, Even I feel with- like it's like a sophisticated <laughs> too. You know what I mean? Like I always think of like a like a deep like burgundy is like a little bit more sophisticated than like a bright pink yeah <laughs> I don't know that's just me personally I know but a dark lip for summer that's where like I go wrong but I can't help myself <laughs> what do you mean I can't help myself I don't think so I feel like beauty really? there's no wrong way yeah, that's true there's no rules yeah and especially at night and if, you know if you're not like wearing yeah, so much makeup and your skin is like glowing and then you just have a dark yeah. lip you're you like strobe a little I have the here, lip the eye that highlight on <laughs> yeah I think that's a great summer look for sure you know, a lot of terms that people use are like cute, beautiful, smoking, hot, sexy. You know, oh, you said femme fatale. <laughs> yeah. Who are your favorite femme fatales? You know, the first thing I think about, to be honest, is the Kill Bill movie. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's awesome. I know. I think that's rated R. <laughs> but, okay. But like, you know, Uma Thurman, like she's she a femme was, fatale for sure. Yeah. She was just... I think that was like one of the movies that I saw and I was like, oh my God, you can be like that? You can like, you know, be just, I don't want to have to like curse, but you know, like a bad abs, let's call it, uh, <laughs> type of girl. Um, but yeah, like I like I loved that movie just because of the role she played. Like she was just, she was like zero care. Like she's going to do what she wants. I think that's like the first person that comes to mind. And then, the, you know, the, the that tracks, the, not tracksuit, was it like a jumpsuit yeah. one piece she wore? It was also just fire. <laughs> Everything about that movie is like very fun. Is that, if you're feeling your best, is that how you want to be described? Yeah. I, I mean, like I want to feel in charge, I, I think, because, but I think that also goes back to like my experiences in life because I've always had to kind of be on the defense and like, you know, have to defend myself in different scenarios, whether I'm at a coffee shop or I'm like dealing with people who have a problem with me or how I look or anything like that. So I feel like this has become part of my personality where I wouldn't say like I'm a mean or like or anything like that, but I'm always kind of prepared for those types of questions or occurrences to happen. So like I love like a power suit with like that dark lip or, you know, like pieces like that that kind of make you feel, I don't know, they just... It's empowering. Just like, yeah, an outfit can completely transform how you're feeling. If I'm wearing like a boho chic dress, you know, I'm going to feel more like easy breezy, beachy, like chill. But if I'm in like a power suit... 
it's going to make me feel completely different. I feel like people react to you differently, yeah. too. Yeah. I was um, at Trader Joe's recently, and I had this power suit on. And I go to this Trader <laughs> Joe's, like, seriously, multiple times a week. And it was the first time I was, like, super dressed up. I came from a meeting. And everyone's like, oh, ma'am, I can grab that for you. Yeah. Or let me bag your groceries. Yeah. Or this and that. I was like, whoa. I was like, I got to start wearing power suits more often. I know. It, it was, like, like, a level of respect. That, yeah, and authority. And authority. Which I like, too. Yeah. Because it's like, yeah, I'm an authority on these issues. Just come ask me, like, come at me, bro. <laughs> like, yeah, I that's don't know. Amazing. It just, yeah, the outfits can completely. That's why I love fashion because you can just completely transform yourself. You can be edgy, grungy, you can be feminine, super preppy, and like, you know, schoolgirl. Like, if I'm at Princeton, I wear like, you know, my little, like uh, a cardigan. Yeah, like my Ralph Lauren sweaters or something. Like, I'm like, so even, but then when I come to California and visit everybody, I'm dressed like more like chill. I have like flowy dresses and yeah, and even my beauty changes. Like I'm more like just blush, highlight, except today. <laughs> I'm like, you know, like I just, I like more of a just uh, like SPF natural look because like it's very, I feel like California. I mean, California is very glamorous, but like, you know, if you're going yeah, to the it's beach, it's like more and the beachy light back. Absolutely. Yeah. Are there any fashion rules that people have told you that you're like, no way, throw the rule book out the window? I don't think so. I don't think anyone's told me anything. I mean, you hear about, okay, this is what's trending and stuff. But I've never really listened to anybody about what trends are happening or like, I just do my own thing. I think that's just my personality. Like, I don't care to fit inside a mold or a box, which is, I I think, just my personality. And like, <laughs> like we're talking about like so much about me. It's like, okay, I'm outside the mold, so I'm going to own it. Right. And that's what's authentically me. So if it's going to be my makeup, it's going to be how I dress. Do I want to like stick to the fashion guidelines? It's like, no, of course not. Why would I? What's <laughs> like, the point? Because some people think I'm already in violation with my headscarf. So it's like, no, I'm going to do exactly what I want. And like, that is so freeing in itself. Just Absolutely. doing whatever you want and not listening to anybody. Because, I mean, pleasing yourself, I think, is most important at the end of the day. And you can't please yourself if you're trying so hard to be someone else. Exactly. Whether it's like, you know, wearing something that's not you or like trying to fit into certain cliques, let's say, and you're not, you're just, you just don't mesh with them, but you think it would be cool. Like, you know, just doing your own thing. And the thing that I've like learned about just sticking to my guns and being authentic is the right people always come along. You might not find them immediately, but they always will find you and you know you just have to be patient and see like you know not just fall into traps of people that don't suit you I love what you're saying so much about how like you want people to realize that Muslim women are empowered and that they're strong women Um, is there anything else that you want our listeners or just society in general when they look at a Muslim woman or they see someone in a headscarf what do you want them to think about that person I would just be happy if they came to me with like a clean slate Like, you know, you're meeting someone for the first time. You've never heard anything about them. You never heard from your friend. You know, like you're meeting, like, just like you would meet someone at a business meeting. Mm -hmm. Just like a clean slate. And then talk to them. Like, get to know them or ask some questions. Like, I particularly love when people ask me questions about things they have. I'd rather them ask me than get it from maybe somewhere where it's biased or it's not even talking to the person. Or just assume. Yeah, just assume. Or, like, sometimes there will be pieces written and it hasn't even asked them. Muslim woman her thoughts or like her feelings or any like there was no Muslim woman involved so I think just being open-minded and trying to have conversations like dialogue I think is just so powerful if you had like a magic wand right and you can wave it so that everyone feels like their best self 
what would that term be? What, how would you want people to feel? Is it beautiful? Is it empowered? Is it badass? Is it femme fatale? What is it? <laughs> oh, just one word. <laughs> you can, we'll give you three. How about that? No, I'm kidding. Um, I feel for me, okay, I'm going to go on a long spiel. You only, you're only going to give me one word. You know, I can't do one, two, three words. I think. Give me the word and you could describe why. Um, I think happiness, because I think, but happiness from the inside, not like some like fake happiness. I think when you're happy and content, whatever synonyms you want to use, you just feel better, you act better, you have, I feel like, you know, a different perspective, like your lens changes and when you're grumpy or you're just in a bad mood. Like, I think, and then I think when you're happy, and you're in like a positive mood, you're more open to conversations and, you know, engaging with others. Like that happiness from within translates to the outside, just like I feel like with beauty. I feel like if you are beautiful on the inside, that comes out and externally. Like I really believe in people having energies and auras Mm -hmm. and, you know, you meet certain people with certain auras and energies. And I feel like if you are able to be happy and content with yourself that will show to others and it'll almost like open you up and give you like a positive aura um to you know to whatever like your 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 career is or whatever like obstacles you're dealing with like that you know happiness and being content even in the worst circumstances like I mean for me like perspective is everything right but if you're not feeling your happiest right yeah are there certain things that you could do or that you do that day to be like, you know what, like maybe you look in the mirror yeah. and you like smile at yourself or you like look around your home and you're like, you know, what? I have a lot of stuff going, going on for me. When it's really challenging for me to feel some type of happiness or just feel OK, I will go and like look up humanitarian crises around the world. And that gives me perspective immediately because I feel like living in California, like I feel like the top one percent. You know, they talk about the 1%. Like, I feel like living in California is, like, part of being in the 1% because it's, like, great weather, access to food and clean water, like, you know, fresh air. Like, just those simple things. Like, that for me will be, like, okay, I'm okay, actually. And if anything, I'm not doing enough. Like, I should be doing more. I should be volunteering or I should be donating or I should be speaking out against this. Like, you have to just pick yourself back up. And it takes a lot of, I think, strength to do that. Um, but you can train yourself. I think that's what I've done. I've also trained myself to like be like snap out of it, mm-hmm. you know, get back on this like, you know, road and keep going. Keep going. I know I feel like happiness, perspective, persistence are all so important. Obviously you have your blog. <laughs> where can, where do you want to see it in five years from now? What are your goals? Gosh, you know, with the internet, everything is changing so quickly, especially social media, like just in the last four years. I feel like people don't even have websites anymore mm-hmm. because, like, like, let's say for bloggers, influencers, they just have an Instagram. Right. So I'm like, I have no idea. Like, I feel like that's the life of also an entrepreneur. It's like you don't really know where your path is going if you're paving your own path. And, like, that's I almost don't even like that question because I'm like, I have no idea because things are always changing for me, especially in a niche that is so new, especially in the Western world. I don't know what's going to happen next. Like, are more doors going to open for us? Is it going to be something that they treat as a trend and ignore it? I mean, for me, I feel like it's here to stay, and people have always dressed modestly, so it shouldn't. It should only just grow, 
you know, but agreed, you know, the political environments can change how how things are, you know, in certain industries. And like, I mean, I, you never know with the Internet, like things change and go viral in a second. So your whole industry can completely change overnight. And so, I mean, I would like to see, you know, obviously to be still doing Mademoiselle Mimi, but to, you know, do more with being able to help young entrepreneurs or young women who are, you know, from any minority group to also give them a helping hand. Because I feel like for me, having a social, uh, being online or having some type of social responsibility, you have to help others, like help your minority group if you you know come help from, your community yeah help your community like not just thinking of yourself because you know you know how tough it was to get there with all these things against you so it's your responsibility to turn around and bring that next person up with you even if it's just an introduction we have to wrap this up unfortunately <laughs> i'm so sad because this is such a great conversation and you're so special where can everyone follow you um at mademoiselle mimi m-e-m-e like the meme. Yeah. <laughs> Before memes existed. <laughs> You're like, listen, I came up with this. Part. I know. <laughs> but it makes me Googleable, so it's a win-win. There you Perspective. go. Perspective. There you go. That is amazing <laughs> perspective. I love that silver lining. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of Lip Stories and a special thank you to Sephora Collection for helping bring this podcast to life. I cannot believe it, but next week is our last episode. I'm so sad the podcast is almost done, but I hope you've been enjoying and loving these conversations. If you haven't already shared this podcast with your friends, what are you holding out for? Make sure you share the podcast, rate it, review it, and tell all your friends. And before I forget, feel free to keep up with me on Instagram at Miss Zias. That's M-I-S-S-Z-I-A-S. And while you're at it, let me know what Lip Stories lipsticks you've picked out recently. Share your faves and tag Sephora Collection. You can find them using the handle at SC. That's the letters S as in Sephora and C as in Collection. All right, that's it for now. I'll talk to you next week where we wrap up the season. Bye, guys. Bye.